Welcome to another Dragonland Saga review episode. It is Bakukul, Holmes Wealth the Ninth. My name is Adam, and today I'm going to give you my review of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition Player's Handbook, Revised. That's right. It's a little bit different. And you should know the difference. That's what I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> All right. This is going to be slightly different than the other reviews that I put out there because, again, this is a gaming product rather than a novel. So I don't have like a written narrative of everything that happened within said gaming manual because that would be really boring. So basically, I'm going to just talk about my impressions of the game, the changes from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, what sort of led up to it, what those changes were, and my overall impressions of it after having not looked at it, well, since I was really young. <laughs> I mean, you know, well over 20 years ago. So this is like 30 years ago or something. I don't know. It's been a long time. So I was pleasantly surprised rereading this book because to be 100% honest, I never read it the first time I played it. I looked at sections and read sections of it so that I could play the game, but I never cover to cover read it. This is the first time and it is interesting. All right, so let's see. Uh, this was written by David Zeb Cook and Steve Winter and John Pickens. You can, uh, I do want to, you know, quickly just let all of you know that uh, I want to thank the members of this YouTube channel and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the links in the description below. Members get uh, VTT assets for different Dragonlance games and uh, member-only readings. Thus far, those are the only two benefits that I've, I've crafted, but let me know if there's other benefits of membership that you're interested in and I'll see if they fit into an existing tier or if I need to make a new tier in order to support those ideas as well. So, I again, you can always pick up Dragonlance Gaming Materials using my affiliate links. Of course, this book is one of them that you can pick up with the affiliate link. But you can also pick up 5th edition uh, uh, materials through that same affiliate link, physical or digital. So it's, it's out there, and all that just goes to help this channel a little bit. That's really all it comes down to. Okay, so for those of you joining live, thank you so much for tuning in live. Let me know what you think about the second edition player's handbook or just the second edition game if you've played it, what you thought about it, what's your favorite edition, etc. And then if you're new to it, let's just uh, talk about it just here a little bit. So when Dungeons & Dragons came out, it was a really big deal. Like for tabletop gaming, it's sort of the grandfather. Yes, there are other tabletop games that came out at the same time, but nothing really hit the zeitgeist of tabletop gaming because primarily before Dungeons & Dragons, it was all war gaming. Uh, and so as soon as Dungeons & Dragons came around, it brought it down to the hero, the individual hero or the small hero group level. And so, yes, hirelings were a big deal. Henchmen were a big deal. Followers were a big deal. And having multiple characters were a big deal in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which was the next iteration, first edition as it's colloquially known now. And it was very convoluted. I've read the Player's Handbook live on this channel. I've read most of the Dungeon Master's Guide live. I will be getting through the rest of it someday. And so just from those examples, if you never played it yourself or you never exposed to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons yourself, you can see very clearly that the information needed to play the game was really randomly placed all throughout those books, which 
for a player is a little frustrating because the concept of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was that the players didn't know the rules. They weren't supposed to know the rules. They were just supposed to know how to create their character, which was the point of the first edition player's handbook. And then they just chose what their character did throughout the game and the DM would adjudicate and deliver out rulings as needed. Second edition, it sort of changed things a little bit. So let's go through this. Uh, first, Gary Gygax hinted at what he called the expansion, reorganization, and revision of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game system in Dragon Magazine number 90, October 1984. And he said that it was about a year off. Of course, the cover of Dragon Magazine number 103 from November 1985 proclaimed that it would reveal the future of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game. And inside of it, Gary Gygax, in his uh, column called From the Sorcerer's Scroll, gave the reorganization a name, Second Edition Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Now, the first edition was only six years old at this point, and so the recent releases of the Unearthed Arcana in 1985, the same year, and Oriental Adventures in the same year, introduced a whole lot of revisions to the first edition Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game, pretty much calling it 1.5 by all of the players and tournament members. Um, and it introduced a whole lot of different rules, revisions, and expansions to the game with character choices and character generation options and stuff like that, new magic and, and, and everything. So the uh, Oriental Adventures was the first one to actually introduce non-weapon proficiencies to the entire Dungeons & Dragons game. And so when it came time to start thinking about second edition, they took that and move forward with it dramatically. So if you look at the difference between non-weapon proficiency options in first edition v second edition, they are different and they're expanded on and they're actually broken down by classes in second edition, which is also pretty interesting. Okay, so at the end of 1985, Gary Gygax was forced out of the company that he helped found. Um, and his plans for his version of a second edition were completely scrapped. Of course, following his departure, after more than a year, TSR decided to return to the idea of a second edition of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, and author uh, Cook re-announced the project in Dragon Magazine number 117, and this was in January 1987. He ended up calling it a major reorganization and cleanup and development. And so right off the bat, you understood that second edition was not going to be a complete reimagining of the game, similar to, say, Saga Edition or third edition Dungeons & Dragons, or arguably fourth or fifth, but rather just taking what exists, what works well, what they've been using in the tournament sessions and stuff, and restructuring it and reformatting and repackaging it so it was much more logical for players and dungeon masters to find information in singular systematically organized areas instead of having tabs if you like one of the old school gamers like me you had tons of little tab and pullouts on all over of the dungeon master's guide and player's handbook to show you where different charts were and everything i mean it was crazy you would go through dungeon master screens like they were toilet paper almost um chris thanks for stopping in uh i hope you check this out and enjoy it later on john how you doing <laughs> always with the soft at least i can count on you for that right if nothing else um okay so let's see where was i so cook spent the next two and a half years 
writing what would ultimately be um, the next edition of Dungeons & Dragons. And fans of TSR got regular updates uh, in his Game Wizards column between 1987 and 1997. So the second edition player's handbook was originally released in 1989, appeared in February 1989. It was reprinted more than 10 times following its initial release. You're looking at one of the new covers of the reprintings there. Um, then about halfway through Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition life cycle, a 2nd Edition 1995 version of the book appeared, which was primarily just a cosmetic change. A third major edition was released in 2013, and this was part of Wizards of the Coast's premium reprint program. It used the 1995 revision as its basis, but it swapped out a couple of illustrations and cropped the original cover with a faux leather-bound frame. And so that's the version that I'm actually reviewing today and giving you my thoughts on today. So it is different from the initial version of the Player's Handbook that was released, which I owned at the time and I loved and we played the hell out of 2nd Edition Dungeons & Dragons with the Tales of the Lands box set in Dragonlands. We loved that game. It was a lot of fun. However, when I've been going through and helping uh, my players make their 2nd Edition characters for the upcoming um, When Black Roses Bloom adventure module playthrough that we're going to be doing in 2nd Edition in September and October, I quickly realized that those that were referencing the old version there was a lot of changes, not just informational, but also location of uh, content. So just know that if you pick up the original second edition player's handbook, it will be different. That's the original, which is just a great cover. Um, then it is going to be different than the revised version that I'm reviewing today. Not necessarily in content as much as in more further reorganization, layout changes, and stuff like that. That's really the only big change. But it also includes, and this is what I really loved about Wizards of the Coast re-releasing these older volumes from 1st, 2nd, and 3rd editions, is that it included errata from, that was released in Dragon Magazine throughout all of the years that those products have been available. And that's incredibly helpful for gamers like myself who want to go back and revisit these games, but you don't want to have to leaf through a whole bunch of different Dragon magazines to find what the actual errata ruling of one particular, you know, information block would be. Uh, having it all together was really, really brilliant. All right. So let's see. Um... In Dragon Magazine number 118, February 1987, in the column called Who Dies, Cook wrote about the need to trim down the list of character classes and suggested reasons to remove every one of the classes from the player's handbook, Unearthed Arcana, and Oriental Adventures. And ultimately he did that in order to get feedback from the fan base about what they looked forward to. You actually see this happening nowadays in 5th edition with the Unearthed Arcana um, rules releases that Wizards of the Coast does. They used to do it in Dragon Magazine. Now they do it through a, their, like a blog, basically, but on their, on their website. But this like put a lot of people in a lot of really angry places. <laughs> they were freaking out because, of course, what you don't realize as a player, but you certainly realize as a game designer, as these games age out, 
and they start adding on more options and more abilities and more classes, it starts to become wildly imbalanced. And that's really what First Edition was experiencing with Oriental Adventures primarily, but also with Unearthed Arcana. And so uh, really all they ended up Xing out of all of it was the Assassin and the Monk being dropped from this edition that was then released. A more sustained controversy emerged following James M. Ward's Game Wizards article in Dragon Magazine number 152 from February 1990, where he admitted that when the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition rules came out, the designers and editors deleted all mention of demons and devils. Again, this was due to the satanic panic and mothers freaking out about their kids reading about devils and demons in the monstrous manual or in spells in the player's handbook or dungeon master's guide. And so TSR just said, we don't want to deal with any of it. We're going to capitulate to all of their whims and just remove every mention of it. And of course, fans of the nine hells or the different planes of existence or the abyss or anything you know, we want those big bad guys in order to be a part of the game so that we can then challenge them. It's not like we're dropping on our knees and worshiping them. They're monsters to be defeated or faced off against or to foil heroes' plans, you know? And so that's the, the huge disparity between players and their parents, primarily at this time. And again, just the standard panic growing up and that was a massive, massive headache because it was all lies, ultimately. Okay, so much of the organization of the new Advanced Dungeons & Dragons game came from editor Steve Winter, who was very clear about his goals. And he had four primary goals that he laid out in Dragon Magazine number 126 from October 1987. First, the book should be restructured for easy reference. Second, all the information on one topic should be in one place. Sounds simple, but that's not how it used to be. Third, a player should have to, um, should have to pay for information he shouldn't have to pay for information he doesn't need when he buys the new player handbook, and the DM shouldn't have to pay for redundant information when he buys the new Dungeon Master's Guide. And then fourth, everyone who currently owns the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide should feel that his money has been well spent when he buys the second edition of these books. Now, Cook had a few design guidelines of his own. First and second edition must be largely compatible. And this is what I think we're going to be seeing in 5th edition and 5.5 or 6th edition with one D&D coming out. They're going to be largely compatible just like 1st edition and 2nd edition were. There's just structural changes to the way gameplay can operate and um, how, uh, you know, character options and choices that may be available or amended. We saw this was first and second edition. So for fans and, and people who, like me who played Advanced Dungeons and Dragons back in the day, when second edition came out, yes, we bought it, but we didn't throw our books away. We still dragged them to the gaming table because you were still going to be referencing some of the information, especially in the Dungeon Master's Guide. The first edition Dungeon Master's Guide is, in my opinion, hands down, the best Dungeon Master's Guide ever released. It has so much wonderful information in it poorly organized but is chock full of greatness uh, and so i you know we we constantly carried those around so for dragonlance fans for example when the tales of the lance box set came out which was exclusively second edition and the time of the dragon which came out before it uh, was exclusively second edition that's the only dragonlance content you had to garner for for character creation or, or anything like that and by and large, they did a pretty good job. But for those of us who owned Dragonlance Adventures, which was a first edition or arguably 1.5 edition book, 
We didn't stop using that or referencing it. That came with us right to the game table as well because we considered that a core book, just like both Dungeon Master's Guides and both players' handbooks. So anyway, uh, the biggest addition to the Dungeons & Dragons rule with the second edition was the proficiency skill rules, uh, which built upon non-weapon proficiencies that Cook himself created for Oriental Adventures in 85, and which had become increasingly prominent in the 1.5 era from 1985 to 1988. The other big change that you find in this book was that magic users, which were now mages, the traditional schools of magic and D&D now became specialties. So in first edition, the only specialty you could be as a magic using class was an illusionist. And typically, those were just gnomes. In second edition, you could choose any school of magic and specialize in it and get all of the benefits that the illusionist used to be able to get with any of the other schools of magic. This opened up an incredible amount of player options that I never really saw anyone take advantage of, but, but the options were there. Uh, let's see. Uh, clerics were similarly revamped so that their spells fell into spheres. Um, when access determined by a god's portfolio. So, so clerics in second edition, rather than just being the catch-all cleric that just happens to worship whatever god they want to worship, now different gods offered different spheres of influence, much like schools of sorcery, that clerics then had access to and could, could um, only use spells within those spheres of influence. But depending on the game world, different gods gave their clerics different daily powers as well. So you not only had access to a specific set of spheres, which limited your, your, your choices when it came to spells, but then you were given powers, which of course is a game mechanic that was further explored and exploited, in my opinion, through all future editions, especially in fifth edition nowadays. Um, in the ver uh, version of, uh, like, you see it with, like, cantrips, for example. Um, what else here? So the game also moved toward the idea of specialty priests by offering variant rules that allowed some clerics to use edged weapons. Of course, that is deity-specific. Now, one thing I did want to talk about that, that I really, really appreciated, the difference between 1st edition and 2nd edition players' handbooks, and arguably the game as a whole, is that in first edition, it was very cut and dry. There were not a lot of optional rules. It was just, these are the rules of the game. It is up to the dungeon master to adjudicate them, and he can bend them if he wants, but these are the rules. Um, in second edition, especially in the revised version, they give you a ton of options, and arguably everything is an option. Whether it's encumbrance or non-weapon proficiencies or secondary skills or character options. I mean, everything comes down to however the Dungeon Master wants to run his particular game. And when I say his, I'm not excluding people, so just grow up. Um, his particular game and how the players also have to then defer to the Dungeon Master on how they are allowed to access different optional rules. This ended up being wildly exploited and blown out of proportion with the player options series of books that second edition released through TSR in its late life cycle. And that just made it arguably very much similar to third edition where there's just so many options out there that, you know, the 
there's no way that a DM could know all of them. And so he has to sort of just allow players to sort of take what they want and then adjudicate it during the game, which was a doggone nightmare, to be quite honest. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Happy Friday. Oh, you're at work. Now, thanks for doing whatever you do, because <laughs> the rest of us are probably enjoying it. Um, Thacko. This is another glorious rule that everyone attributes to second edition, but in truth, it was actually out in 1.5 edition, but it was usually relegated to monsters and not playing characters. So in first edition Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, you had class charts which told you what armor class a particular class, or what number a particular class needed to roll uh, over, no, I'm thinking about it. Over in order to hit. Thacko changed that. Everyone accessed the same Thacko rules, though different classes advanced at different rates. And so the idea of two hit armor class zero is very simple. It's whatever you need to roll over in order to hit the creature. And their armor class then modified your number, whatever that number would be. So if you had a two-hit armor class of 14, for example, and you were trying to hit a goblin with an armor class of six, you would then subtract six from 14, roll over that number, and you would hit the goblin. Now, what it did include, which added a bunch of headaches and nightmares for players, is negative armor classes. So the idea for armor classes in Advanced Dungeons Dragons 2nd Edition and 1st Edition was the lower the number, the better which means you could actually go below zero in your armor class. So a negative two armor class, instead of, of course, being subtracted from the Thacko of the person trying to hit, would then be added. So it takes a little bit of thinking, but once you get the hang of it, it's infinitely easier than um, using those charts and tables that were presented to the Dungeon Master through the DM screen and, and the Dungeon Master's Guide made it so much easier to roleplay and get through the, the mechanics of combat, too. Psionics, however, were removed from the core game. They were later added back with the, um, the Psionics' handbook, which I bought and loved and played, and I, I love Psionics in a game, even in Dragonlance, because we have precedent in Dragons of Autumn, Twilight, Dragons of Winter Night, and Dragons of Spring Dawning of elves being able to use telepathy, which is a psionic ability, in addition to magic, of course. But just the idea that, that elves could communicate with their griffin mounts through their minds was a pretty cool little addition to the books that you really didn't need, but it was, it was just neat that it was there. Um, the fact that they ended up bringing psionics back was great, but by and large, people, players, just ignored psionics as a rule in first edition. And so when it wasn't there in second edition, no one really threw up any, you know, no one, no one pitched a fit or anything. Hey, SMR, how you doing, man? All right, so some other small changes that you noticed between 1st edition and 2nd edition were um, encompassing some of the spell changes. Combat changed a little bit. They added a bunch of optional rules for initiative. You could just do straight group initiative. Uh, bad guys versus good guys. You could do group initiative uh, and then add in speed factors or spell time. You could add in uh, individual initiative, which is how I traditionally ran it anyway, just because I, I thought it was better to have players. Um, 
I think it's important to go over a little bit of what combat was like in second edition to give context, but it gives players a little bit more options when you, you're not all acting at the same time when you actually get to see variations on the battlefield. So if, you know, the first person uh, kills the creature that you're going to then attack, well, then, then you get a refocus on someone else or someone new. In first edition, you really didn't have that option. The way combat worked is that you declared your actions, so you were locked in because all combat happened all at once. Like, you were literally engaged, moving around and fighting and battling, and everyone was acting at the same time through their initiatives. So, if at the start of combat, a wizard starts casting a spell, the round goes by, and then the spell kicks off, if he was trying to kill a creature that was already killed, he can't change at that point. He can't redirect his spell at all, and so he then has to fire at the location that the creature then once was. Then you have to roll into a um, ranged fire into group uh, battle, into melee combat rules, which means you don't actually probably hit the thing that you're trying to hit in most cases. You might actually hit your friends. It becomes a huge nightmare. In second edition, when you uh, declare your intentions of what you want to do, what the entire party does, the DM decides what all the bad guys want to do, then you roll initiative. So if you, you know, it's going to be like monster, hero, hero, monster, hero, monster, you know, it'll be like scattered apart like that. So if fighter kills the guy that the wizard was waiting to cast a spell at, now he can actually redirect it in second edition into a different monster. And that makes it a little bit easier and it doesn't waste spells and it doesn't frustrate players. And to be honest, all players would have to do would communicate with each other before combat so that you didn't run into those situations that I explained in first edition. But sometimes it still did happen and it was very frustrating. Uh, Sauce Thack on second edition was five. Talk about easy to murder the playing characters. <laughs> Thacko of five. Um, what other changes? Uh, weapons changed a little bit. Uh, experience changed before it was very much... I mean, it's all depending on class, but now it's sort of broken down even more. Um, levels changed a little bit with the experience. And then everything else just had minor cosmetic changes and stuff. So the player's handbook for second edition is infinitely more helpful to players than it ever was in first edition because it literally tells you how the game is played now rather than leaving that to the Dungeon Master's Guide and only the Dungeon Master's Purview. And then it expands on that with a bunch of optional rules which have to be approved by the Dungeon Master but are infinitely more... Um, uh, it allows you to have a more custom game. And so people who used to just roll home rules and just, you know, just sort of customize Advanced Dungeons and Dragons the way they wanted to play at their home, now actually had official options. And this is important because Dungeons and Dragons was broken into two different playing camps. Largely it came out of the wargaming world, and so it was tournament-based. You'd go to cons and you would run through your characters through different tournaments and try to defeat other players or try to defeat a dungeon and stuff like that. That tournament focus of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons continued with second edition. So a lot of the alternate options are based around tournament play. 
And so you have to really understand that as a player to understand why those options exist. Because Dungeons & Dragons came out of tournament play, not just a bunch of geeky friends sitting around drinking soda pop and, and like arguing over rules, which is how I played it <laughs> as a kid. Um, hey, Ryan, how you doing? Stream only lags for you or anyone. Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Um, I don't know what to say to help. <laughs> Let's see. Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition was a very thorough rewrite and redesign, but it's one that kept itself close to the original source materials as it could, given its goals. And so I would say anyone who reflects fondly on 1st Edition, check, recheck out the 2nd Edition Revised Player's Handbook, because it is wonderful. And it really gets me excited to run a second edition game in September and October. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope you guys tune in and watch. Uh, because, again, we're, it's going to be, of course, a Ravenloft game. But we're going to be in Sithicus dealing with the module when Black Roses Bloom, which is all about Lord Soth. So, and all of the characters are coming from Kryn. And they're coming from Kryn after the Blue Ladies' War before the summer of chaos and so this is the what i refer to as the sweet spot of dragonlands where it's familiar to everyone who loved any of the books but it's open so you can do whatever the hell you want because you literally have like a 30-year period to just kick the tires and do whatever you want in ancelon before everything changes with the summer of chaos it's a great time to play the game and i'm really excited about the player choices that have already made characters and the ones that are going to be making next engine joe how you doing uh you're doing the same thing you'd like to play that oh that's cool that's awesome um you love second edition ryan yeah i did too i played the hell out of it it was great so this is your edition that's cool i dig it um happy happy friday indeed all right that's all i had i would highly recommend this second edition revised player's handbook this is the one i grew up with the revised one has that faux leather cover and it's just a circle with a new easily picture in the center of it it's available at um, drive through rpg you can use the affiliate link in the description of this video to pick it up and that just helps the channel out a little bit but it is definitely worth owning even if you don't play it a lot just as a collector but also, it's just great to revisit for nostalgia's sake. It is a very fun game. that I, it, the, There's a reason it lasted as long as it did. And even as TSR pushed over to Saga System for Dragonlance, they came back and released more Dragonlance content with 2nd Edition in mind. Arguably because Saga System didn't do that well with <laughs> the playing audience. But also because 2nd Edition was such a great game. That they, they just wanted to, you know, re-release the 15-year anniversary of the original Dragonlance modules with 2nd Edition. And uh, they, it was just a really great time. Derek, how you doing, man? Great to see you. 2nd uh, Edition is the best edition, in your opinion. The modules were the best. It was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed the hell out of 2nd Edition. But I never played the modules very much in 2nd Edition. We'd start some, and then we just sort of stop them over time. I played some of the modules in first edition, but again, it was mostly just me and my friends just making shit up in Kryn and having fun doing it. So yeah, this is the, the new revised edition of Player's Handbook. So anyway, that's all I had to say about it. Check it out. I'm going to be uh, helping a character or a player build a character here next for that September-October game. Hope you guys have a fantastic day. And uh, let me know what you think of this second edition game or this revised version of the Player's Handbook. 
uh, by David Zeb Cook with Steve Winter and John Pickens. You can always leave me a comment uh, below if you're joining live. You can always put it in the chat, but also you can always shoot me an email at info at and I will get back to you at my earliest convenience. I would like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't already. Click the like button and uh, click that stupid little bell to get notified about upcoming videos. All of that goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. And this channel is all about celebrating the wonderful world of the Dragonlance saga. Thank you so much for joining in that celebration. Once again, my name is Adam with Dragonlance Saga. And until next time, Slanjavar.